0: Welcome back to another packed episode with Tangela Johnson and Stephanie Crow. This is one for the books. Today we're going to be talking about wealth and well being. Stephanie talks about how she got into the wealth industry, and Tangela talks about the wisdom she gained from some stupid mistakes and moments. In this episode, they talk about how money can help, but it doesn't fix your problems. How your past can impact your future if you don't look at it, and also the power of knowing your numbers. So join in on this episode as they discuss wealth and well-being. Intentional Power is a continuation of an ongoing dialogue between two friends, Tangela Johnson and Stephanie Crowe. And now you. These dynamic, seasoned female leaders cover real topics that traverse the rich and sometimes bumpy adventure they call life. In sharing their experiences and perspectives tangela and stephanie ask you to come along the ride with inspiration laughter and intentional power as their goal is to move more leaders toward fulfilling their highest purpose leveraging their interests and passions making a difference in the world and monetizing their value welcome back everybody
1: yay we're glad to have you with us today so today we're talking about wealth Mm-hmm. And uh I think about it as well-being, but you and I have talked about it as self-realization and how wealth mm-hmm. is really woven into our own journey. Yeah. Um do you wanna like I have my own story, but I'd love mm-hmm. for you to start off with your discovery that money matters as you pursue your highest and best self and best life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you
3: know, I I it's interesting. So Everybody, you know, whenever the lottery gets up to like almost a billion dollars or something, mm-hmm. you'll have people that just run out and play the lottery. And I remember maybe it was a year or two ago. I don't know. I don't really play the lottery. But um, my uh, my daughter, we were talking about it because it had really gotten up to a high number. And she was like teenager, 17, 18. And she says, well, mom, you know, what would you do if if you won that money, all that money? Mm-hmm. You know, it was maybe 500 million, whatever it was. And she said, what would you do differently? And then I thought about it and I said, nothing, actually, nothing. I, I would continue to do what I'm doing. Um, I would probably scale it more. But really, I'm very uh, happy where I am. I'm very satisfied with my life. I feel very purposed and on point at that time in my life. And so, you know, I think there's a misnomer out there that money actually brings you joy. Happiness is temporary. Okay. Uh, But joy is that knowing that peace, that internal, intrinsic peace that you feel, um, just knowing that you're enough and you're enough on this earth. So, what wealth does for us, though, is it gives us the tools. you know, you you have uh, money for opportunities, you have a roof over your head, you live in a safe neighborhood, you have transportation, so you don't have to be stressed about those types of things. Mm-hmm. But make no mistake, wealth does not help you self-actualize, per se. It does not. Because there are a whole bunch of wealthy people, and you can speak to this, you, it, it, you know, in your whole career, you've worked with very wealthy people who are not necessarily happy, uh, families are broken. Uh, they're depressed. They're 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 you know self medicating, and all those things. But they have all the money that they could ever want and need. So speak to that. Speak to wealth from. Sure, from- and we
1: see that in the press. I mean, right now there's a lot of attention around Britney Spears and her struggle to mm-hmm. control her own money and her own fortunes from her father, who's. Been her manager and has locked up funds and trusts and limited her access uh, based upon some of her past behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, in 20 years, I've, I've just seen numerous stories of both families that were aligned and were living their best lives and used money very productively. And then either families or individuals that had some dysfunction and something wasn't working. And typically, you know, you can see a variety of scenarios where um, money can Escalate because mm-hmm. there's some something out of whack. Somebody's overworking and is never home and present and mm-hmm. never sees the children. But the money is just you know exploding. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily serve your family or yourself. Um, I have had clients who inherited money or who were the beneficiaries of claims. You know, a terrible accident and some kind mm-hmm. of settlement. And there, I have seen millions of dollars go quickly if. Somebody is not um, stable,
2: mm-hmm.
1: isn't strategic,
2: mm-hmm.
1: isn't disciplined. Um, so, so our conversation about being yourself, being your best self, there is a lot of personal responsibility around whether there's healthy money habits or right. destructive money habits. Right, and sometimes I think those
3: habits can be, you know, a, a cover up for you know, or or part of coping skills that are just not working. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what the stats are, but they say people who, who win the lottery, that money is typically gone in like five years because they're pursuing something that's not even real, right? Because they're under the impression that the more things you have, the bigger house you have, the better your life will be. And that's just simply not how life works. You know, on your website, you talk about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So, speak to that if you if you would.
1: Sure, I think I realized how significant this was mid career. I threw myself into finance. I did not go to school for finance. I -hmm. went back for my MBA later when it appeared like I was going to have a career in finance. Hmm. So, this was not. I was actually trained a pre med in anthropology in college, and had a. Uh, you know, had a moment post-graduation where I was like, I don't know if I want to invest in medical school and accrue all this debt. And mm-hmm. I didn't like people in pain. There, there were a variety <laughs> of reasons that made me push the pause button on medical school, which everybody thought I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I landed in a bank's trust department as an assistant, just this like yeah. really random job. It wasn't high paying. It wasn't high stature. Uh, you know, fellow graduates were going on to do, you know, much more interesting things. But in going to work in that trust department in my early 20s, this was in the 90s, I became fascinated with how money works. And I was working with wealthy clients of all levels and uh, varieties of life. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, what was the aha for me in that experience, even though I wasn't making much money, was the fact that my family wasn't um, excited about money Um, neither one of my parents really worked it. I think it was almost like, um, they just kind of deferred to the other person to take care of it, but neither one was really (laughs) on it. And then my dad, you know, was a veteran of Vietnam and for a period of time was unemployed. So the military had a downsizing in the late seventies and eighties and a bad economy. Interest rates were high. We were homeless for a while. Uh, we were getting food boxes delivered to our door and these were formative years for me, and I powered through that to eventually put myself through a product college. I still don't know how I did that with absolutely no money. I just figured out loans, working part time, got scholarships, and came out the backside of that and landed in the trust department. Mm. And that's where I, I'm like, oh, this is the training I've been needing. Like I did not <laughs> even think of myself as financially motivated oh. until I went to work, you know, in a bank around investments, and at that point. I was off to the races and I just started studying, studying, studying. And I was looking at both high performing habits. Like I had, um, gosh, I had wonderful clients with, you know, uh, family members with mental illness Mm. who were kind of in and out of like Mm -hmm. um, treatment facilities, you Mm know, would have been homeless if they hadn't had a trust fund taking yeah. care of everything around them. Like mm-hmm. I just, I guess I started seeing that people are people regardless of the amount of money attached to them. Yeah. And there are things that just need to be addressed regardless of how much money you have around you. I came out of family system that didn't have much money. So I mm-hmm. felt what it's like to not be able to give Christmas presents. Like I felt what it was like to buy secondhand clothing because mm-hmm. you couldn't afford the retail clothes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I understood the deficits of becoming your best self when you just don't have resources. Like I've felt those challenges. I powered through those challenges. But just because you have a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're self-realized and happy and healthy and whole.
3: Absolutely. And I think a lot of times people who even when you have a lot of money, if that's all you focus on, then then that in and of itself, how to keep it right, can create sickness. It can create mental sickness. It can create physical sickness if that is all you pursue. Um, You know, I have one daughter and, you know, when she was younger, I was really pursuing growing my business, but I did also understand my husband traveled for work. I did not want to leave my daughter to be raised by a nanny. Okay. So. You know, I could have grown my business much larger uh, than I have at this point had I been willing to sacrifice my relationship with my daughter. Mm -hmm. But somewhere along the way, I made the decision that that is not something I was willing to do. And I'm not judging anybody, right? I just knew for our lifestyle, it would be important that I would, you know, I had to be a part of her day to day life. And, you know, looking at her now, I'm so proud of her. Um, she, but the, the one thing I will say is I had a very flexible schedule because I controlled it while she was growing up. And so that was, that was really wonderful, um, for her and for me. You could be
1: available. Like you were really available to her. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Available, you know, physically, but also present. Right. Um, and so that's, that was always important to me now.
1: And you made that financial decision.
3: Yes. Yeah. But I mean, I was also making money, but I could have made a whole lot more money had I been willing to travel all across the country all the time and and all that kind of stuff. But I just wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. And I'm good with that choice. I'm good with that choice.
1: So, Tangela, talk about, as as you mentioned, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. It's fun for me when I work with clients. I love to frame our conversations around the hierarchy. Because, you know, um, you know, an early person fresh out of medical school with the first job
2: mm-hmm.
1: is just getting started. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, how much money are we making? What are you spending? Let's get a reasonable house. Let's start paying back your debt. Let's mm-hmm. get a savings account going. Like mm-hmm. the money um, principles are pretty basic when you're, you know, in that kind of foundational level. But then somebody like you or me or, you know, a, an executive looking at retirement, As you progress financially and in life, self-realization can mean very different financial strategies. Can you speak to how that equation has changed for you? So, you know, one thing, let me kind of go back a little bit to what you said when you're first out
3: of school. So I remember the point where, you know, I wanted to take that risk and start my own business. So what I did was I just kind of really quit my corporate job. So that meant we went from living on two incomes to living on one income. And my husband had just started his job. So I'm going to tell you that wasn't wisdom. That was just flat out stupid. And we suffered the consequences of that. It was just terrible. I pulled money out of the little money I had in the 401k Mm -hmm. um, to launch my business. Um, You know, if I had to do it over again, I would have made different choices. But I did not have a financial strategy in place Mm -hmm. to launch and start a business. OK, so any person out there who's wanting to do that. Don't do what I did and just quit. And it's, you know, have a plan, have a
1: financial plan, have right? a financial plan.
3: But at this point in my life, and this is kind of where I am in my early 50s, I, I think in terms of decades, and I'm thinking, OK, how much mo- how much more money do I want to um, continue to pursue? Right. How much is enough for me? Because I have self, self-actualized in terms of I understand my purpose, I love my work, I, I love what I get to do every day and how I impact the world, right? So for me, I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to do in this decade financially? So I am building towards that, and you and I are working on mm-hmm. you know, crafting that plan. Um, in my 60s, you know I am probably w- really want to focus on legacy so i'm setting that up now in my 50s so i can operate primarily from the standpoint of legacy so i may be involved in politics in some way or, or you know whatever but i'm not going to be dependent on having to earn a huge living to sustain myself right and then i'm i'm a country girl i'm a very simple a simple person when it comes to material goods i don't need a whole bunch really don't my husband and I, once we got things figured out, you know, we live on one income because one, when I quit my job, you know, way back when we only had one income. So, so we really started to map out what that looked like for us. So, we live Angela, a pretty good life. Yeah.
1: I love, um, I love what you're talking about. This goes back to something you said earlier, but in my experience, having worked, with dozens and dozens of clients of all wealth spectrums, like, you know, I've financed major yachts and planes and art and like, I've, I've seen what money can buy. Um, something that I've witnessed is you put a lot of money on a person and you're basically amplifying who that person is. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so really the key, what you and I talk about in our conversations is really owning the person you are because mm-hmm. regardless of what that money figure is that it's attached to you, it's it's just going to be an amplification. And mm-hmm. um, it doesn't fix it. It won't change who you are. And actually, in history, we've seen people who aren't good people who are bestowed a lot of money and power can effect some not-so-positive things. So Smart. getting getting right with yourself as mm-hmm. the money comes into you is really critical on how you know how impactful and the yeah. quality of decisions and the legacy that you leave behind um, I've seen money wasted. I mean yeah. horrible sums of money wasted because the the point of decision wasn't solid. it wasn't grounded.
3: Yeah. And you know, I will say to your point it does amplify who you are. One of the things that I've tried to do with my Uh, with my daughter is to teach her about money. And she's part of Generation Z. Uh, And of course, every generation is unique. But I think Generation Z, they're more concerned with um, purpose and kind of having a more free lifestyle. They're Mm -hmm. not necessarily, they want to live in a tiny house or whatever. They're not necessarily concerned about um, some of the things other generations materially have been concerned about. Um, but even with that, they still need a financial strategy. They still need a wealth building strategy um, so they can self actualize. And who knows, maybe even sooner. Um, those
1: are the things that those are the conversations I have with my daughter. Those practical steps, the sooner you can start them, just building a financial statement. Mm-hmm. And a financial statement is a list of your assets, what you own, bank accounts, savings, mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. house. Anything you owe, credit cards, any loans, education, you know, and then you net those two out to get your net worth. And sometimes when you've been in school a long time, you have a lot of education debt, you might have a negative net worth for a while, but hopefully that education puts you in a place where you're going to be amplifying your income and you can recoup. But those, those are, it's really sound and easy approaches that you can work with somebody who's 18 or 17 or 16 And I love to then get people thinking about every spare dollar that comes in. Can they Mm -hmm. use that toward appreciating assets? Mm -hmm. I've sometimes heard, um, financial speakers, uh, popular speakers love to like push people to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. And if you are poverty stricken and you've got high interest credit cards, Mm -hmm. you know, debt will just keep you enslaved. Right. Um, so that's a bad thing. But what I love is to get people thinking about productive debt. Because Mm -hmm. my wealthiest clients borrowed to acquire appreciating assets, Mm -hmm. just like you borrowed for the office space, I borrowed for my home, Mm -hmm. business owners borrow all the time to grow their company and to create value. And so to figure out how to use debt very strategically, thoughtfully, not in a way that's risky and expensive and imprudent. Debt, you know, the the right kind of debt can be your friend to powering a financial statement over the long term. Something I wanted to mention was that um, your aha around money and self actualization was also something that came th- came through to me in my life as I got started with a family that didn't have much money, had had some, you know, financial trauma really with mm-hmm. a season of unemployment with my dad. Mm-hmm. I was driven into hyper productivity mode around money and started just at a young age socking money away in a 401k just doing everything I could do and of course I was in the business so that benefited mm-hmm. me
2: mm-hmm.
1: but um mid career in my 40s I had to take inventory and say mm-hmm. I now have accrued enough that Mm -hmm. I don't have to be locked in to the Mm -hmm. same strategy that's powered me the first 20 years. Right. And you were so instrumental in helping me challenge that paradigm because that paradigm had worked for the first 20 years. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to work for the next 20. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's like God sort of dropped you in to say, hey, those things that put you into positive motion now need to be released. I had a financial statement. I have had a financial statement for 20 years. I had yeah. tracked the ups and downs through the financial crisis and the dot-com burst. Like mm-hmm. I know how financial statements play. And I had to challenge myself to say, I have enough now to lean on to back myself. Right. I can invest in myself with a venture. Mm-hmm. I no longer have to think like an employee. I can think like a business owner and a leader. And it was funny because I remember that day, um, we <laughs> I do, I do.
3: I remember that day we were at lunch somewhere mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful day. And then we were talking about net worth and we were talking about your situation, and then you know, you got specific with me. And I'm like, Are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> you must You're be like what you, uh,
3: what? What's you I would have quit, you know, a long time ago. But but the, the thing that was so beautiful, because you were like, you know, all I have is And I'm like, really?
1: Are you out of your mind? I was worried of losing my job. Like, I I know it was weighing on me. It was weighing on me. Bizarre. You're like, invest in your business. Go do it now.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what is your problem? You know, for somebody (laughs) like myself who had quit my job with hardly any money, struggle, fought, you know, you're gonna make me cry. And, And here's this woman sitting in front of me telling me. This is, you know, her situation. And I'm like, you must be like on drugs because you need to quit tomorrow. You know, that song, Johnny Paycheck, take this job and shove it. It's sort of like, I'm like, that needs to be your theme song. And you need to just start walking in your destiny. But the thing of it is, you really had prepared, you had a financial strategy that when the opportunity presented itself, you were ready and able to take that opportunity without it being a complete stressor for you yeah. and your family. That's huge. That's it's huge.
1: beautiful. So I would say, number one, know your numbers. And especially if you're an entrepreneur and yeah. you're a high performer, you're an executive, like it's important to become financially knowledgeable, but you don't have to be the expert. Every CEO that I've known always has a team of advisors around and Mm -hmm. understands that the things they do, the strategies they set, the actions they take should have some kind of financial impact and outcome, you will over time build the right team around you to make sure that the numbers are reflecting Mm -hmm. a positive trend. Like at the end of the day, you can't indefinitely run a deficit.
3: You can't. (laughs) Whether you're a
1: CEO or whether you're just a family.
3: That's right. You can't. And, and I would also say, too, and this is what scares people, um, the conversations you and I had seven or eight years ago, there are different conversations around wealth now. Mm-hmm. So it is a process. So I just I want people to not be afraid that they don't know everything all at once because that's not how this works. But again, if you don't get started, you don't grow in the process. And that's true if you're managing a department and you're afraid of understanding how budgets work. And all that kind of stuff or you're an entrepreneur and you say i'm going to start this business well if you're clueless about money that's going to be a problem at some point real soon it's going to be a problem i've seen people not be able to sustain because they didn't put the time and energy into the money piece the wealth piece and i don't know that it's intuitive right i don't think it's intuitive for most of us so you're gonna have to start that process and put Mm -hmm. the work in so guys, Thanks. thank you so much for joining us. We had a great time. We'll probably you know, need to talk about this a little bit more. I think wealth is an important uh, topic, especially for women. Sometimes we just don't feel comfortable with it and we need to get comfortable. So thank you for joining us and we will talk to you again next time. Thanks
0: everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Intentional Power with Tangela Johnson and Stephanie Crow. If this touched you in any way, we do want to ask you to like, subscribe and share with your friends, as our goal is to continue to move more leaders toward fulfilling their highest purpose, leveraging their interests and passions, making a difference in the world and monetizing their value and potential.